0: Hey there! You're listening to another episode of the Niagara Moon Podcast. As always, I'm Thomas Irwin, and once again, I'm joined by Mark Grunthoffer, and we're going to talk about an album today. And we're talking about Odalay by Beck, and uh, I quite like this album for a number of reasons that we get into. And uh, Mark quite likes it as well, and it was also just a big trip down a '90s memory lane for him. He gets into a lot of uh, nostalgic aspects of that era, of which I have, you know, very little memory of. Maybe I was six at the turn of the century. Uh, but it's a good one. This, this is a fun episode. There's probably more we could have gotten into. There's, there's a lot behind this uh, megaphone-wielding would-be cowboy goof He's kind of a jack-of-all-trades, isn't he? He does uh, anything and everything, musically speaking. Let's get into what we have, though. Uh, here's our talk on Beck. Hey, Mark. How the heck are you doing this week? I'm good, man.
1: Finally, a uh, sunshiny and 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 turning a little little fall outside. It's
0: nice. Yeah, we're we're getting the nip of cold up here. Uh, what album are we talking about today?
1: All right, we've got Beck Odelay, uh, nineteen ninety six, I yep. believe. Um, it's a
0: good time. This one.
1: Okay, so you know what's funny is last night I uh, I was uh, you know I was kind of listening through it again just to just kind of refresh my memory on some of the tracks that I don't you know regularly listen to and uh i went on spotify and looked up a 1996 playlist Mm -hmm. like they have they have they they, spotify has a lot of playlists by year and i looked up a 96 playlist man that album was awesome there was a that i mean that that year was awesome for the album Uh, right right. uh cake fashion nugget came out um rage against the machine um (laughs) the one with uh Bulls, Bulls on parade, on parade. yeah. Uh, the sublime self-titled album came out that year. Songs from the Vatican gift shop by Stone Temple Pilots, which is just a phenomenal record from top to bottom. Um, man, I mean, just it, Soundgarden came out. What else was it like? Gin blossoms. Oh, the uh, the Wallflowers bringing down the horse, which is just, a, I mean, as close to a perfect album in the '90s you can get. Um, so just some really really good records in 96 that was a good year
0: so Oda had some stiff competition is what you're saying well
1: uh, yeah that's that's kind of what I was interested in is what what was uh, out around
0: the same time because Odala is a very different record than anything else it's pretty groundbreaking right I mean you you re, you remember when it came out I don't have that yeah reference absolutely
1: but. I mean it was it was it was huge the uh, 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 where it's at and uh, uh devil's haircut. Cake, Fashion Nugget, kind of in the
0: same realm a little bit. It's kind of redefining funky rock and yeah. like updating it. Really, yeah. it, it's like where the modern sensibility of that yeah. kind of music creeps in. Like you're you're out of the Nirvana age, it feels like right. at that point. Right, for sure, for sure.
1: Now, do you listen to this regularly? Is this kind of on
0: rotation with you or? I had not heard these songs in a while, actually. Mm-hmm. Like many other artists that I enjoy. I got into Beck uh, probably around middle school time. Okay. You know, around that age. I remember liking Odalay and I think I had a, at the time maybe a slight preference for his 2000s albums like Huero and uh, mm-hmm. The Information. Coming back to revisit this and really just hear the whole sequence, um, this is a damn fun album. This is just a, it's a party and I, I definitely see why it Broke back into the mainstream and why mm-hmm. it's it's still his best selling album to date and definitely one of the first people talk about when they when they talk about his catalog and by and large it's like I was I was like right on this this is a good time this is a party so
1: so I was a, I was a, a a freshman in high school when this album came out and I you know again I know I remember hearing it and going I mean this is came incredible. out of nowhere right it's, yeah like. For sure, um, and I was I was I was kind of getting into playing music in bands, and I remember we used to try to do where it's at, but more of sort of a, hmm. a loose jam. We also didn't have a keyboard player, so I I I, I don't know what you were thinking figuring there. Figuring that <laughs> out. yeah, I, I, I remember figuring it out on the guitar that that uh, that Rhodes uh, line at the beginning. It's a Whirlitzer, but, isn't it? Um, or a Whirlitzer, yeah, yeah. Whirlitzer yeah.
0: 200A, S- slight difference so in tone. Cool
1: yeah 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 so so cool so cool um listening through a lot of the non you know billboard chart songs mm-hmm. on here you know it definitely brought me back i, I forgot how kind of country the record is
0: parts you know, yeah I mean, if the cover is any clue
1: right, right, for sure, I forgot how um uh experimental the back half of it gets. yeah
0: yeah
1: um High five. Yeah, that's the last three. Well, Ramshackle is an incredible piece of music, but Computer Rock is one of those tunes you wonder why it ever made it on. It's
0: not a tune. You know, all right, here's, if we're getting into it, Computer Rock, that's the like 45 seconds of obnoxious noise, like the little loop. So the way I have this album, Modale, and how I think it was originally released, it's like you hear Ramshackle, that's Mm -hmm. how the album ends, and then... Say if you were putting on the record, you're like, okay, I guess it's mm-hmm. done playing. But if you let la- you leave it sitting for too long, it assaults That's you. Funny,
1: yeah, okay. With
0: this, up with this aggressive loop, and it's a joke. It's not. Right. It's just like a in tone with the rest of the album. It's like a ha ha kind of. Well, moment. but
1: what I was kind of what I'm kind of surprised with, and maybe it's just because the album was already almost an hour long. Um, you know, the '90s, and and anyone who's younger and doesn't. Own physical CDs doesn't know that the '90s was like the era of the secret track, right? On CDs yeah. and stuff, like you would—the last track would end, and then it'd be ten minutes of silence, and then all of a sudden, this other track would come on. That's what I think computer rock sounds like to me, like like a secret track, you know, from that era. Because yeah, yeah, it's doing all that kind those of thing. bands, you know, had secret tracks at the end of their CDs.
0: You have that on even dating back to Sgt. Pepper's. Never had it any other sure, way. Da, 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 da. sure, but it
1: wasn't 10 minutes later cuz you were confined by the uh, you know, by, no, by yeah, by the yeah,
0: it wasn't such a uh, yeah, a delayed surprise. I remember there I have a I have a an old ska band
1: called Regatta 69. Mm, nice. They had a they had an they had an album called Prime Time and after track like 13 there were enough tracks to you'd watch it count up. They were 1 second long tracks and it'd be Track 14, 15, all the way to track 69. Mm. And then that was the secret song, which was actually a pretty cool little song, you know. Um <laughs> so it would track up. Novel idea. Um, yeah, you know, I mean everybody everybody was kind of having fun with that, this new long format of the CD, you know. 80 minutes. Exactly, exactly. Who's gonna fill that up? Oh, well, we did with, you know, but there's 15 minutes of silence. So anyway, so, so,, uh, yeah, so the last couple are kind of weird so here's here's where here's what really hit me, mm-hmm. um listening to this from start to finish again, you know, I, I, of course, I've listened to the hit songs on on playlists, um, but it it had been a decade or more since I went through this from top to bottom, I think, and it it really brought me back, but I forgot how much in the nineties we put turntables in in popular songs. That was the and
0: age that. of that was like the golden era. I mean, it kinda started in the eighties, but that was like the golden era of sampling and the creative possibilities. Yeah, but,
1: but I'm just saying like like three eleven incubus, these bands that would just have a guy yeah. who's literal who's only there to to do scratches, right? Almost instead of a drum fill, we got someone who's gonna do a little scratchy scratch. And it's kind of dated. It's kinda dated when you I, listen to Oh the, boy. To
0: the Odelay stands apart from that, though. You think so? Well, uh, yes. Maybe I, yeah. the Dust Brothers are gods of production. They really yeah,
1: yeah. the production is really good. But but does the does the sort of like low pass filter hip hop drums not get a little old as as you listen through every single not track for this I'm, album? Okay, All nope, right. All right. nope. Maybe I'm maybe I, I'm coming. I, from there's it.
0: plenty of examples you could find from that era that yeah. I would agree with, but this. Okay stands apart. Well yeah. maybe
1: and maybe that's the thing. Maybe I'm coming into it more looking at the whole mid 90s, you know, when when every not every band, but there were a lot of bands that were going into the is this borderline hip hop but it's, you know, a yeah, rock band yeah, right? Yeah, playing with that. Is it, you know, and so then you got into sampling with those those uh, you know, kind of 80s run DMC drum loops, right? Um, mm-hmm. you know, because this band, this album, and the Dust Brothers—pretty incredible. Like th- this album is is produced really, really well. Like, just uh, like from a production standpoint, it totally like still stands up. I just, it's just I just
0: a fun house of different yeah. sounds and moments, yeah. and yeah. just like totally crazy ways to juxtapose different rhythms and ideas. Mm-hmm. Like it, uh, this listening to this, it was this feeling of like anarchy. Mm -hmm. Like this statement of, we're just going to play with it all, like nothing is sacred. For sure. Totally not surprising that (laughs) David Fincher, director of Fight Club, picked these guys to do the score for Fight Club. I was like, right, that feels so on the money. I really got Fight Club vibes listening to this.
1: I actually knew the Dust Brothers from Fight Club more than this album. And, it, oh. you know, like, because I just, I remember getting, you know, you saw Fight Club and what year was Fight Club? That was like... 99. 99. Okay. So saw Fight Club. I remember, you know, there's there's two main things I remember from Fight Club. One is the Dust Brothers contribution to the soundtrack. And the other is Where's My Mind by the Pixies. You're right. Yeah. So so those the big two... big musical cues there. Exactly. Right. Um... And and I love yeah, I loved the uh the, the music for that. So when I when I was looking through this, I didn't I, I didn't, you know, realize that it was Dust Brothers that had done this until just now, like just recently in re listening to this. So it makes a lot of sense. I also in looking up just some info on the Dust Brothers, they did Umbop by Hansen.
0: hmm I saw that this morning too. Yeah.
1: That's kind of wild. <laughs> you know. I mean <laughs> that song doesn't seem like it has anything to do with them but hey you know
0: it's weird how that happens sometimes i'm sure i'm
1: sure they bought a nice little beach house off of
0: that song mm-hmm. <laughs> a couple of them so yeah get it, getting back to odale part of what makes this album pop so much is his collaboration with the dust brothers mm-hmm. and all the stuff they're bringing to this mm-hmm. album and it's kind of fitting that maybe my favorite beck album over this one slightly it's kind of hard to decide but uh huero from 2005 i like that which one a is lot. the other one produced by the dust brothers yeah that's a great album it's oh yeah and it's so it's kind of listening to this i'm trying to figure out okay what part of this that i'm really jamming out to what aspect of this is just the dust brothers doing their thing versus like what did Back, write and record and perform and bring to the table. Like I'd be really curious to see how that broke down.
1: Didn't he have this album or some version of this album done and then a record producer or a friend or somebody said, nah, don't release this. You need to start over. And maybe that's when he hooked up with the Dust Brothers. I thought I read an interview at one point that said that he's talked about. That. Maybe it's a different album that I'm thinking of.
0: Well, he was the very – Uh, Beginning, the the origins of these sessions were Beck uh, recording kind of more downtrodden, quiet, muddy acoustic tunes like Ramshackle uh, and had nothing to do with groove or any of that kind of thing and and working with Tom Rothrock and Rob Schnapp. whatever that guy's last name is. And and those those, Rob Schnaff became Elliot Smith's Mm. guy doing that sort of uh, 90s acoustic gotcha. guitar ballad like he he was the guy for that sound. I don't know on whose part it was, but there was impetus for Beck to do something with uh with more mm-hmm. rhythm. And maybe this was after uh Los- Loser became yeah. a bigger hit. Cuz this kind of feels like the the next step after Loser this album.
1: Well, I mean, Loser had those same sort of hip-hop drums, it was acoustic guitar, but it was it was nasty yeah. acoustic guitar and then kind of kind of rap you know?
0: Yeah. It's like a scattershot of like weird samples to be putting Mm -hmm. together and, uh, deadpan humor. Oh yeah. Kind of a sarcastic humor. So it's like, I don't really get into anything pre Odellay as far as Beck goes, except for the song Loser. I love that song. That's a great single. And then Odellay is like him really making his appearance on the like yeah, the hit right. music scene. This this is what kind of solidified his uh, his legacy. it was his fifth album. Right, He's got which, all all these other weird songs that I never got into, but no one really pays attention to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think they have their audience, but it's like it's relatively avant-garde compared right. to this. Now, I was trying to
1: find something which maybe maybe as a Beck fan, you know this, I don't know. Um I have still in my, you know, on my, uh, uh, like all these burned CDs that I got off LimeWire or Napster back in the, you know, early 2000s. And one of them was, uh, you know, I really liked the Loser and I liked this yeah. album. So I remember looking for some more Beck, but I found this one, I think it's a B-side, but I tried to look it up and I couldn't find it online. Um, and it's called MTV Makes Me Want to Smoke Crack.
0: MTV makes me want a small yeah, crowd. That's it, that's it, that's yeah. from one
1: of his early albums, yeah. That's such a, it's so great. <laughs> <laughs> but I I think that that kind of shows, right, he's just, just sitting around with an acoustic guitar kind of kind He's just in. And then being then, a
0: total irreverent goofball, but, yeah. but
1: like dead deadpan. Right, right, which is kind of what Loser is, you know, um.
0: Why don't you kill me? Yeah, every moment of that song is great. I love
1: that. It, it, oh, oh, I mean, as a, as a teenager, like singing every word to that song. Get
0: crazy and, with the cheese, whiz. Uh
1: huh. Yeah. Which there's a lot there's a lot of so that. The, the Odelay is just that vibe. Yeah. Continue. Yeah, there's a lot of that really. on Odelay. Where I mean, you look at like um uh uh where it's at. All the little like 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 vocal jump ins, you know. Um,
0: that was a good drum love break.
1: It. It's, it's the best, right? Um, so the other, the other thing I was trying to figure out, which I think I, I messaged you about, and I'm, I was trying to see if someone had a – I actually messaged a couple of people to see if they had the physical CD because on Spotify, there's listed intro to where it's at, but it's grayed out so you can't
0: click on it and listen to it. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is either. All I need is that where it's us Yeah, riff. it's between Jackass
1: and where it's at. It says intro to where it's at, but you can't – if you click on it, it says the song's not available. So I don't know what that what that means. I wonder if there was like if
0: anybody wants to comment on SoundCloud or whatever tell me yeah, what the hell. Yeah, if anyone knows about That's that. all about if you happen do to Do you know. remember
1: in the in the CD era they would have negative tracks? Do you remember that? It would it was very hard to do. I actually did it on an album in the early <laughs> 2000s with this engineer and he took months to figure out how to do it. But if you played the track it started from the beginning but if you played from the previous track and let it play in it was almost like a secret track between the two Weird. and it counted negative it would be like negative 15 negative 14 and it counted up so i wonder if that's what it is but spotify doesn't know how to uh how to process mm. that i don't have it on any copy of mine i, I you know i have a it's the missing yeah, track so itunes a well, good thing we got computer rock well yeah <laughs> just <laughs> i think i was listening to that and someone in the house went what are you listening to? You
0: know, <laughs> is this track? <laughs> so, wh- what's your favorite Beck album? Where does Odalay sit for you in that?
1: I mean, I I, it's, it, I think Odalé is my favorite. It, Guero and um, why can't I think of it, Vultures? Midnight Vultures. Yeah, I like those two albums. I like Midnight Vultures a lot. Um, but th- this this one is this one is is it because other than the song Loser, for years and years and years. All Beck was to me was where it's at and d- Devil's Haircut, you know. And then I mean, the new Pollution is great. Novocaine is just is awesome. That's just that's just a rock tune. Um, I love that one. Um, <laughs> Hot Wax is 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 Hot Wax is, is great. Song, right? So, and then I do really like sort of the acoustic vibe of like Ramshackle and Jackass. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah, it's it, it. This album balances. Uh, you know, like the Dust Brothers, uh, Beastie mm-hmm. Boys-esque production style. I mean, they're the, the Paul's Boutique guys. They cram a million yeah. different samples and like retro music moments right. from song to song. But it, it and it balances like the goofy rap and the the humor and just the surrealism yeah. with solid songwriting and uh, like incorporating you know Beck's acoustic guitar songwriter. Component yeah. like that—that's in there too. It's a really cool balance of of, of all of that, and uh, the the seat to track sequence. It's like once you get too much of the just the crazy sampling and the chopped up hip hop, then you get to enjoy something like Ramshackle or Sissy Neck. Sissy Neck might be one of my favorites on the album.
1: That that's a that's a real country esque. It's like of. making
0: fun of country but celebrating it at the same time. But you know,
1: he just does it. The the whether it's Beck or the Dust Brothers, they just do a good job of um kind of kitchen sinking yep. this uh That's this it. album, but but without being obnoxious about yes. it. Yeah. You know? Um I will say like like you know, I, I always kind of go back to some of these uh old records and I think like like what did what did this do to teenage me? What did this do to up and coming musician me? And um I I, I do remember watching on maybe it was MTV or VH1 or something um or or maybe someone had a, had a VHS but it was a live show it was a Beck live show um and it sh- probably was around this album maybe a little bit later um and i was just floored by this kind of a big kind of a big band maybe like six people seven people on stage um hmm. he played these just you know, awful pawn shop guitars. Mm. He had this guitar bass player with a big uh, afro, who I forget his name, but he is he's playing. That guy is playing with uh, Saint Vincent now. Oh, uh-huh. I saw him when Saint Vincent just played Saturday Night Live. I said,
0: "Who's that Sam? bass
1: player?" I, I know that bass player, and I and I looked it up, and sure enough, it was the guy that used to play with with Beck. I forget yeah, his name, yeah. um, but I, I just I just remember seeing it in like like. It's kind of like the Talking Heads in a way. like here's a band that's taking, you know, an, an, an album you know, when, when, when Talking Heads did stop making sense, they had to take an album that was filled with loops that was filled with, you know, it's the equivalent of samples, right? because it's yeah, just looping yeah. and things like that. Um, and they had to put it on the live stage, and they weren't afraid to do that and to take some liberties with it, and hearing a tune like where it's at, it's not exactly the record. You know, no, like they, yeah, how would you they, replicate
0: that live? They yeah. play
1: around with it, you know. They, they have some more fun, and you know he doesn't. You know, yeah, he might sing. You know, um, that was a good drum break, but maybe he does something different with it, right? Or maybe he throws in some. Does other – Does he do
0: any tambourine little, handouts?
1: Uh, maybe to, with the audience. Maybe <laughs> it's. I didn't need to find that. I need to find what that show was, but uh, it was again, it was kind of eye opening at the time. More so that aspect of it than any of the actual music. Right, it was more sort of the, just the whole aesthetic of, of Beck and what he was totally doing, new, you know, along with a band like like Cake, you know, yep. which 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 is another like real big, sort of, oh my gosh, like this is really cool, like I'd, I'd love to do this, um, you know, the again, like you said, funky, yeah,
0: Cake Cake is one of those. I'm not even a huge Cake fan, but Cake is one of those first bands from the '90s where like just their tone in terms of. Mm-hmm. The lyrics and the delivery and kind of what they're all about—it's like, oh, this feels totally contemporary. Like this could have came right. out last year. These these feel yeah. like just modern, current era dudes you go up and talk to. Versus Pearl Jam is more of that era. That's a different thing, yeah.
1: But the other thing is like Beck and Cake. I mean, you know, they were doing they were doing borderline quotes rap, right? Like yes. it's not, but it's it's not singing. It's you know speaking rhythmically, which at its essence is is what you know rap maybe you know is, and, and it's
0: also not Eminem. It's it's ra- it's rapping along to other musical ideas that kind of come into focus. It's not like taking over everything about the music.
1: Yeah, but here's the thing: like like in the '90s, there was this thing called rap rock, which was limp the biscuit. worst thing that's <laughs> ever existed, right? Yes, Limp Bizkit. Um, Kid Rock. Oh my oh man. I mean it's just so bad. It's so it's it's cringy. It's bad. Yeah. It's terrible. Um and then you've got like Beck who's who you're you're like, oh this works. Um somehow. Most somehow it works. Mostly because he was just kind of doing his own thing and you know, here here's cake. Ooh, it works, right? You know, like those other rap rock bands of the 90s were boy, that was that was tough to listen to. I mean, even even there's minimal Red Hot Chili Peppers that I really can get into, you know? Um,
0: yeah, yeah. Then they they got some some rap in there. Give it away, give it away. Here's what I feel like is a difference between all the styles you're talking about, mm-hmm. that kind of rap rock, and what mm-hmm. Beck's doing is like, Beck is like a stream of consciousness, line by line, just kind of like wry observer. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like he, he has too many funny things he wants to put in his lyrics for it to fit into singing. So he ends up talking to deliver it rather than like really trying to hype you up or really performative. It's just yeah. like, I, I listened to this album driving on a, on a late in a sunny afternoon, passing a lot of people there that, that were out and about. And it's like a people watching album. It's just yeah. like weird observation after observation. You feel like he's, he's not, he's putting on a character, but he isn't like it just feels like you're hearing just raw thoughts coming from his brain
1: and his vocal delivery is you know second to none i mean Lackadaisical. it's, it's like yeah well but I, but I, but it works so well oh, yeah. for him and then he does sing sing and it sounds yep. great you know yeah he but does it's both
0: still a great
1: balance on here yeah it, but you'll you've never you'll never hear a beck song and go hmm is that beck like because you always know exactly like you know the production can sound maybe like some other things, but then you get yeah, into yeah. him 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 sing, speaking or singing or whatever it is that he's doing, and you're like voice. oh yeah, that's that's big, which is which is good to have. Um, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> on that '96, that was the other that was the other album that came. Speaking of unique voice, Dave Matthews Band, that was another one he was competing with. Was the the uh, the beginning of you know the Dave Matthews Band craze. So the '90s were just the wild west, man. <laughs> there was there. There were so many styles coming out at that time,
0: and Odelay was just right on the forefront of that. Like the, I've, I feel like this is a generational thing that you really start picking up on by this time. Is all these artists you've mentioned, and then especially Beck, they. I've, it feels like they're the first generation of artists to grow up on a really, really diverse, eclectic mm-hmm. record collection. Yeah. Like if you have the the Baby Boomers in the 70s classic rock scene, they all listened to the same few records when they were growing up in Absolutely. The 50s, Absolutely. early 60s. Yes. Just the Elvis influence. It was, was kind of right. more monotheistic. This is like mm-hmm. Beck and the Dust Brothers both are clearly the product of growing up with like 500 different records going from this style to that style and like your, your, the way your tastes formulate – is just very different and so much more diverse compared to the artists of even like 10 years before that I feel like
1: I think I think you're totally right I wonder if um now the problem is now there's like absolutely too much to choose from mm-hmm. right you know, now it's like even like it's 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 the exact opposite of the '60s and '70s. Well, you know,
0: to counter that, if you're finding music with the algorithm, right? That's how young listeners discover stuff. Yes. The algorithm yep. will just coddle you and give you more of what you already said you liked at one point. So yes. don't worry, yep. you're you're in a very narrow tunnel that you that's won't true. won't uh, leave from. You're 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 set.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's you'll true. you'll
0: stay in your one lane. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, absolutely, but it's it's a. Uh, uh, I think you're right. I mean, I mean this this album does feel
0: like a kid in a candy shop. It,
1: yeah, of sounds. That's what I mean. Yeah. It's, it's 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 the kitchen sink on instruments and production, but it's also on on all the styles that they bring in. Yeah. Um, and again, it it all works so successfully. Um, to me, just personally, minus a few tunes towards yeah. the back end of it. But Yes, I'm uh, with you on that. You know, you you would never ever get computer rock on an album today and not because of the sounds it is but just for the fact that no, like bands don't have to fill up the space anymore you know like like cuz you can release a 30 minute record you know yeah. in the 90s you had to release a 45 to 60 minute pressure album. to release
0: more because you can because we need to improve right
1: because now we've got this new format yeah. so like you have to you know i mean in my in my record my vinyl collection any album that's from the 90s is two is two records because they mm-hmm. can't fit it on a on a on one record because these albums were so long and you also while they weren't expensive for a high schooler, they were expensive. So you want to, you know, if you're going to go buy a record for, you know, ten ninety nine, mm-hmm. a, a CD for ten ninety nine, dollars uh, which doesn't seem like much, but we would do it. We want. You, you want know, a product. You, you want. You want a product. And, and also, I mean, like for me, I had, you know, in high school, I was driving around a 1986 Volvo that I had the little, that mm-hmm. had a tape deck. I had my little CD Walkman. <laughs> you know, I would listen to one album for like three weeks because you just brought that one CD yeah, into yeah. the car and then you would listen to it over and over and over you and over. So you coveted it a
0: lot more. Like each individual album meant a lot more to you.
1: Yeah, you want like 60 minutes of music and and, and that's what you that's what you get on this and uh, for better or worse. I
0: loved listening to the right. whole album. I mean, there's particular tunes that were highlights. Uh, I was pretty much down for it all. Like, Nova Kane got a little grating for me. Uh, and then high five rock the Catskills is like, uh, yeah. aren't we done here? <laughs> yeah, that, that
1: yeah, that's not my. I mean, thank God. Uh, what is it? Ramshackle comes after that one because yeah, uh, palate cleanser. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, uh, Devil's haircut is just it's just such awesome. a cool song. The the
0: what a great line. Yeah,
1: and the, that was and one the s- of the
0: first bass lines I played around with when I was okay. Getting into the instrument again around middle school because it's yeah. you could just play that without using, you could do it with one hand just like plucking the strings because they're all fourths apart. Uh-huh, boom, yeah, boom, boom, mm-hmm. boom, like that's just super beginner friendly and fun. Yeah, well,
1: the the you know I, when you when you open up the album with that song and you have just the the most coolest. Grungiest, disgusting, like guitar-based t- guitar sound. Yeah, the, you know that 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 opening bow, and the string is so loose it like oscillates down. Um, <laughs> you know, it, and with those with those with those drums, I mean, you know, you're in for like something something really new and exciting. And uh, I don't think I heard that one first. I think I heard where it's at on the radio, and then I went and got the record. Um, but I'm sure putting that cd in the first time and hearing that devil's haircut was like wow a know, bunch I, of kick in the gut yeah i i i because i, I think i think where it's at was the first hit i know i know the new pollution was a hit but that was i think later but
0: yeah no this this had a few hits jackass i saw charted oh wow which, okay yeah i want i want to get in all these all these tunes in a, in a sec but uh yeah devil's haircut great intro one of the best mm-hmm. back album intros
1: so, wait, did you say Jackass was on the charts? I think that's
0: Jackass, kinda... yeah, was a single that charted. Okay, if I remember my Wikipedia research from this morning correctly. <laughs> uh, yep, it was a single.
1: Okay.
0: And uh, do you know the the sample that that song is no, kind of based around? No, what is it? What is it? Uh, so, I think one of the best examples of tasteful, creative sampling okay. for, a, for a pop song. Mm-hmm. Uh, van morrison's first band them has a cover of it's all over now baby blue and that's where you get that beautiful kind of shimmery guitar going okay. dun, 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 that arpeggiating guitar okay it's from that song but then he totally reappropriates that sound for jackass and it's a whole new song but just what a, like a beautiful choice of sample on how he like reinterprets it so, for a new piece of music i love it
1: now, there, there's, like, samples on pretty much everything on this record.
0: Oh, yeah. It's covered in samples. But that that is an example of, like, where the one of the – just the cruxes of the song, like, one of the pillars that it sits on harmonically and everything else is, like, that one sample. What I was going to say is, like,
1: you know, just about everything on here is sampled from something. Um, yeah, which, yeah. Which, one, was probably crazy expensive um, – but two. uh um, oh no!
0: This is before you had to clear everything. I mean, these are the guys that made Paul's boutique. There's even more samples on that. I doubt they they paid for everything. And they there. didn't
1: have. To, I don't know. I mean, I was I was so young. I wasn't paying attention to the actual business in the '90s. Yeah,
0: but, it's uh, uh allegedly. I'll just throw the term allegedly over all this. But uh you know, you, if you try to give every artist their due for all these samples you're taking, you're not going to make the album. I don't know how they got away gotcha. with it.
1: Well, what I was going to say is, you know. For an album that has samples yeah. everywhere, I don't know any of them.
0: Yes, it's very tasteful choices. Yeah.
1: Right, I don't, and, and 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 if you point them out, you know, and maybe I should go through, if you went through and pointed them out, I'd probably go, oh, wow, I didn't realize that's what it was sampled from or something. But they're, they do such a good job of disguising the samples and using them, like you said, tastefully or blending blending them or or maybe like just manipulating them, however they're going to do. I mean, at the same time, you had, uh, you know, like, Coolio sampling uh, uh, Pastime Paradise
0: for for Gangsta, which is, and it's literally like the... You had more blatant examples, yeah. Under Pressure for Ice Ice Baby. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Although
1: Vanilla Ice would argue against that. (laughs) But anyway, my point is, like, it's just, I, I think it's pretty impressive that, I mean, I in 96 or 97 or whenever I was listening to it or probably until more recent years, I had no idea there were any samples. I didn't even know that's what this was about. I just thought this is – again, this is a band in the studio just making a record.
0: Right, because it kind of – it does still feel organic. It doesn't feel so right. like scientifically pasted together or something.
1: Yeah. I mean again, listening now, I hear you know yeah. th- the drum loops – are not are not my favorite now. At the time, it didn't it didn't occur to me that that's even what was happening. Um, it, it the drum loops are the th- are the only thing really that makes it feel at all dated to me,
0: um, I, along
1: with the turntables. But
0: uh, you know. I still. What are you talking about? Uh, Devil's haircut drums there. I, I mean, just a lot of the
1: songs because it wasn't just Beck that was doing it. But um, you know, if you take you know take like uh you know from an engineering standpoint you take like a drum loop and you run it through like a filter so that it you know it's 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 not a natural drum sound right um it's maybe a little bass it's a little kick heavy the snare has a lot yeah. of um roundness to it and the hi-hats the hi-hats become not glistening at all you anymore They're it, very yeah. process and so you get a lot of that drums on here which was similar to early 90s like hip-hop like again like Like, you take, like, Run DMC, (laughs) um, Walk This Way, that, right, like, that's that sort of sound, and it's a loop, you know it's a loop, Um, even if it's a drummer maybe playing it, you still know that it's just like, hey, man, play this beat and just, like, groove on it, whereas, like, you know, like a Talking Heads record, you have, you have people. Actually performing it, uh, yeah. Doing that idea, but they're actually performing it, right, so, and they're not processing it which I would assume is the Dust Brothers' uh, contribution to this because they're coming from a, right. you know, dance sampling kind of... I mean, how many of the drums... How many of the drum tracks are samples, you know what I mean? Like, or come from some kind of, like, you know,
0: yeah, hip-hop, I like, mean
1: sample pack. Because they're not sample packs. They're sample packs now. They're not at that right. time, but you know what I mean, like...
0: Yeah, I mean, it's the majority of the album. You do have... Uh, you know, famous studio musician Joey Waronker doing either drums or percussion on like you know five of the songs. So I, 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 it doesn't bother me because mm-hmm. they do mix it up. They don't. It, it doesn't feel like they're relying on that yeah. because of any kind of limitation or laziness. It's like it's part yeah. of the stylistic choices of the album, and it it puts it. You know, it if you try to do that today and not make it seem forced it would that would be a little difficult but you know mm-hmm. you want a, part of the appeal of this album is you kind of want to go back to the wild 90s you know it's it's doesn't totally live there but you don't mind being kind of transported that's, there yeah
1: that's what i was going to say and that and that's kind of my whole point is like when i listen to this record while the production the production technique is you know i mean the it is crisp clear I'll let, you know we've talked about it, love a good studio album you know, I hear certain songs, and I'm back listening to
0: the radio with you know. Yeah. see, I don't have those memories, so maybe I'm I'm untainted. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, in when we were in the '90s, we were not happy to be in the '90s.
0: music. Isn't that how it works you know? with every decade? Because you you have to sit with the crap of that era, and it doesn't get filtered out till right. you know nostalgia yeah. kicks in two decades later or whatever.
1: For sure. Well, and I think you, I think you also you know. I mean when I think of the 90s as much as I love Nirvana and Green Day of the 90s that's just all I kind of think about and and you get a little but then you you forget that bands like you know like Beck
0: and it's very eclectic the 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 range of things that were popping up on the charts even though
1: I went to the record store you know every week and just hung out in there I still don't think I realized how much Variety there was, and I all I really was kind of getting into was like stuff that was on the radio, right? But there was so much more, and all the B sides, unlike this album, even though I probably have spent more time listening to the radio hits, you know, um, uh, Ramshackle and Derelict and cane Now that I'm hearing them again, I'm like, oh man, I forgot how good these songs were. Yeah, that,
0: and, w- that was my experience listening back to Odalite, too. It was like beyond the songs that I had a clearer memory of like Devil's Haircut, where mm. it's at. It's like, oh yeah, Hot Wax bringing back the the Spanish yeah. choruses. I love it when he does that. Yeah, it's right. such a cool <laughs> song.
1: Which, which, for years, I mean, years and years and years, none of us in my in in the in the group of friends that I hung out with, or anyone I knew, had any idea what he was singing in Loser. So. <laughs> you know, I don't have an, any idea
0: what he's singing when he's singing in English either most well, of the time. Well, right. Right. Yeah. But I mean, we had no lyric sheet,
1: you know, for right, Loser. Right. So, you know, it was like, what is he saying? Gives it more air of mystery. Right. So you just
0: you just sing phonetically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, The New Pollution. I mean, if we're starting to go through this this album a little bit here. Uh-huh. The New Pollution, yeah. same baseline as Taxman. I guess they didn't have that copyrighted yet or whatever. Boom! boom, oh my boom boom boom, boom! 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 You're totally right. That's why that song sounds so good. <laughs> it's like the '60s nod there. New Pollution definitely went yeah, one, one of the hits, and and a song that I kind of forgotten a little bit, and just how cool it all locks together. Yeah, totally,
1: totally. For, and then I heard, and then I heard it, and I was like, wait a minute, I forgot this was on this record. You know, And I was like. Yeah, this this was a hit. I remember it on the radio. Minus sounds yeah. so much like the Fight Club soundtrack. Uh, that's got to be right. That's where that's where the D- Dust Brothers really put their mark.
0: Very cool line, and then um
1: This definitely made me want to go back and watch Fight Club again. It's, <laughs> it's been a it's been a long time. I wonder if that still holds up.
0: Yeah, S- Sissy Neck with some of the sample choices there also gave me the Fight Club vibe. So what
1: are what are what are do you know some of the samples in that one? Because that that's that's one of my favorites. I like Sissy yeah, Neck. I it's, love
0: the organ sample in Sissy Neck, and that's uh, from Sly and the Family Stone. I think that the song Life. Okay. The, Is Sissy Neck the one with the organ solo in got it? Got a stolen wife and a rhinestone life. I don't. Rem-
1: yeah, I'm just. I forget which one. Some there was one that has really cheesy. Yeah, organ that sound that might be solo. the one I'm blanking
0: right now. But,
1: but again, I, I you know listening to him I'm like man, that is the cheesiest organ <laughs> sound I've ever heard, and yet it works, it works so, so well, well because yeah. again this 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 feels like it just Beck has always felt like a pawn shop band to me, mm. you know like it has always felt like guys that just you know I mean here I am with with a vintage Gibson Les Paul and a tube amp and. You know, I've got like from from right, my,
0: you're an, you're an Asia guy. Everything's got to be top of the line, yeah, pristine, right? Exactly.
1: But then you've got you've got Beck who like walks into a pawn shop and finds you know the the dingiest guitar and a little Casio keyboard, and he makes you know gold records. So
0: yeah, you know if there's something to be said about that, he he kind of plays with toys to get his sound, right? Back right, to the which, kid in the candy store feeling with this album, especially which I, I I
1: think that I think that from a production level, I try to do that too. But everything I have is so like you know it's like oh well, here's this uh keyboard over here that's you know a 900 dollar keyboard or something not not a little like circuit bent you know kid's toy that he's using to just create sounds and 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 i i think he you know throughout all his albums he did such a good job of just yeah just like experimenting in the studio with with sounds and and i guess samples now that you're saying that and not making it feel cheesy you know like i don't i don't know how he gets away with like the the verse if you read no one's ever heard loser before and you read the the mm. lyrics to loser how does he In get the away
0: time with, to a monkey. i mean right. it's it's obviously a joke it's comical which and it's intentionally and it makes it awesome that, right right but if you just
1: are if you're just reading the lyrics you have no idea that it's about to be this like like funky cool vibey song that literally took over the 90s like absolutely you could not get away from that song you know i'd never owned that record i don't think maybe i did i but i don't think i owned that record and yet i could sing that song from top to bottom because it was on the radio every second of the day you know and he was essentially homeless at the time i believe when, 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 when he recorded that
0: was he or was he living with the Scientologists? Well, there's also that angle. <laughs> which which get I don't this? Know. Yeah, so back, known Scientologist, he grew up with it. So he grew up get, with it.
1: He was born into it. Yeah, you he
0: can't help it. You know, you're indoctrinated right. into it. That's right. one thing. But apparently, right. a couple years ago, he's so he divorced his Scientologist wife, and now he's trying to say, "I was never a Scientologist." Or I. Mm. That's not really part of who I was. Mm-hmm. I don't have a connection to them at all. And it's mm-hmm. like, you're so full of shit, dude. <laughs> Beck is personally speaking. He's probably one of the least likable people I've talked about on this podcast. I'm, everything I've gathered about him, I'm not really a fan.
1: I mean, other than the Scientology angle, I haven't, I haven't really delved into him on a personal level. Um,
0: yeah, you're kind of not so inclined to, right? I'll,
1: I'll keep it that way. Yeah yeah, I like the records. I like uh, you the, know.
0: yeah, some of the records. I, I go I love everything from "The Loser Song" until mm. like morning phase, I thought was a really nice downbeat album. Uh, you know, hey, while we're here, I'll just say the last couple albums he's put out are gross to me. They're terrible. Colors and hyperspace.
1: Um, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's been we're in we're in decade. Like three yeah. of him being being a uh, a musician of note, mm-hmm. you know, bands that are that have been around as long as him have maybe put out a year, uh, you know, a record every couple years. Um, maybe they take like some hiatuses. Mm-hmm. They do this, and you have a little bit more focus on the albums. Whereas he's put out how many studio albums? Like a lot. I mean, it's starting to feel like Frank Zappa at a certain point. Like with the amount, like when you look him up and you see all, I mean, it's albums, it's, it's yeah. B-sides. It's, it's a little it's, overwhelming, you know,
0: especially the beginning part of his career. And and is it,
1: is is there not enough, you know, are, if he had not done so many records, maybe he has like fewer but better mm, cookies, like these. It's an interesting you know, question. He hit this stride right around Odile, Guero, Midnight Vultures. He hit this stride in... in. I, I mean, I like Modern Guilt a lot too. Which one's that? Is, that? is that a
0: new... Oh, okay. That's with uh, Danger Mouse. That was in 2009. Okay, I haven't checked that one out.
1: I mean, I, I, I 100% have lost track of anything that he's done in the last decade, so...
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's... He really slowed down with the, the timing of albums, like it became, you know, once every four or five years. But since Colors it feels like he doesn't care and just wants to remain relevant mm. and popular. And he's always like a, he's kind of like David Bowie where he doesn't have all the pieces himself. He always like a big part of his sound is going to be his collaborators, mm-hmm. but he's collaborated with enough different people where, you know, he does bring something to the table. Yep. He's, he's got his own and, you know, lyrics and everything else. But, uh, he's just giving himself over to like whatever the most popular thing is and okay, I'll do that. Yeah. And therefore I'll be more popular with no, it doesn't feel like he's bringing any kind of intentionality or like personal Got it. preference anymore. It's just, it's a, it's a wasteland of crapola the last couple ones. months, which is weird. Morning phase was like uh, sea change 2.0 and some just brilliant, quiet, mellow, I've heard that uh, one. That's, that's sold good. to that yeah. one, yeah. yeah. And then that, he completely lost me after that. Okay. I, I don't know where, where he went, but uh, I don't have much loyalty to the guy. Like when, when things are clicking and, he, and he's working with the right people and he's in the right zone, it's like I really, you know, he brings it, he he brings a, either a party mm-hmm. or like some, some decent acoustic singer-songwriter vibes, but uh, I'm not a ride or die guy with Beck. Well, yeah, it's just it's wild that Odele is
1: his fifth album.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it's a lot of clutter before that. I mean, Mellow Gold has its has its moments, right? But that's but. what I'm
1: saying. Like, you don't you <laughs> don't really like Odele Really, for for probably uh, definitely the casual fan, but maybe even some of the hardcore fans, is the, the the debut album. You know, I mean, that's where that's where. I mean yes, we all so we all knew really we all knew, all clicks, we all knew yeah. Loser. We all knew Loser, but no one knew anything else from that. And then <laughs> I think maybe I mean he got lucky that Loser was such a huge hit cuz that played on the radio for, you know, 5 6 years. And I guess he was able to put out some other re- records under the radar and then Otley came out. I mean, what year was Loser? That that had to be like 93? 93. 93 okay, I think. Yeah. So he had a couple Man, he put out a lot of records between then so, yeah, he, a lot of B-side stuff, he's, I guess. He's a
0: hard worker. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll definitely give that to him. Yeah. Um, and like we were saying, you know, he's someone who grew up with a million different records playing around the house probably. Mm-hmm. He took in all these different influences. It's really admirable how he was able to put them together in different ways over the course of his career. Yeah. I think it's pretty fair that people compare him to David Bowie in that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's some of his lyrics are hilarious, and he just he knows how to keep the same kind of, kind of like carefree, sort of absurd, surreal yeah. party vibe. Yeah. And I think I think he maybe perfected it on Huero, but that's uh, that's for the fans to yeah, decide. that's a
1: good record. I will say, um, um, my last kind of funny funny connection with with Beck is when I first heard of him, and I think it was Loser in the early '90s. Um, you know, I had I had. I had my dad's record collection and I went, okay, why do I why does Beck sound familiar? And I went and got um Blow by Blow by Jeff Beck and I went, "Oh, here's <laughs> here's the guy." And I put that on and I went I went, "This is a very different album." <laughs> <laughs> so for 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 a hot for a hot minute, I thought uh I thought, you know, guitar virtuoso legend Jeff Beck was uh mm-hmm. you know, dumbing it down for that slide riff on uh
0: loser <laughs> I, I bet he heard that a lot first he probably did five ten years of his I career mean,
1: maybe it maybe helped uh helped beck hurt jeff beck i don't know
0: <laughs> yeah well suffice to say odelay holds up you know it it uh i dig it it can be a time capsule mm-hmm. for the 90s mm-hmm. but can also just be a totally fun novel kaleidoscopic mm-hmm. musical experience in its own right lots of highlights a little, little, little chaos, little noise, yes. but doesn't bog down the album too much. And uh, Lord only knows it's getting late, so let's let's uh, let's ascribe three words to this album.
1: I'm gonna go with yeah. I'm gonna go with '90s because that's that's it <laughs> transports me just like you said, a time capsule. I'm gonna go with groove, and uh, my last word is going to be turntable.
0: <laughs> uh huh. Two turntables. I'm gonna say anarchy. Mm. He's just mm-hmm. anything could happen yep. in this album and samples mm-hmm. and humor. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's true. I mean, that the ending sound of Jackass is pretty <laughs> attention-grabbing. And then, and then, attention and then it grabbing. It pitches down, right? I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It's just the album in a nutshell. Yeah, all right. All right, man, this was uh, as fun as listening to the album. I love
1: I loved doing these 90s records, man. Count me in for mm. any more 90s We've records. done a few of
0: them now. Where I can, uh, I, can, I can go back in time. It's great. That is it. Uh, yeah, I got a little prickly towards the end there, maybe, but... Uh, Again, we're we're here because we are fans of the music, and that's the place we're going to stay. Uh, you might have noticed this episode came out uh, two weeks after the previous episode. To be honest, I think that's going to continue to be the the pattern for a while here at least. Just as uh, easier for a few different reasons. But uh, yeah, bi-weekly Niagara Moon podcast episodes to be expected in the future. But we'll we'll keep on going. There's there's so many other albums I want to talk about. I believe next episode will be Prefab Sprouts, Two Wheels Good slash Steve McQueen, depending on which country you're in. Uh, so you can look forward to that episode. Ta ta. <laughs>